Welcome to the podcast of Tony Mayo, the business owner's executive coach. This podcast is the audio from our free weekly webinar, Tuesdays with Tony at 12. You can see the video, download the slides and other materials at tiny.cc slash TWTony. That's T-I-N-Y dot C-C slash T-W-T-O-N-Y, all lowercase. I'll be referring to some statistics, some articles that I've written, and they will all, as always, be at that URL. And that URL is on every, almost every sheet, except when I have a nice, nice uh, slide to show you. So basically, as you may have noticed, coaching is growing. I'm using here a neat tool that Google provides for free in exchange for everything there is to know about you so they can sell that to other folks, but that's another webinar. This tool is called the Ngram. Google has ingested and digitized much of what has been written over the past few hundred years, and it makes some interesting ability to search. So if I put in the phrase uh, executive coach, it tells me how often that has occurred over time. And it essentially started in the early 90s, which is when I started too. You know, back when I started being a coach, people thought I was on the sidelines yelling and blowing my whistle. But it means something else entirely. And it has, as the saying goes, literally exponential growth over time. And this is still just 207, 2007. It's, it's caught on a lot more since then. To the point where the establishment, like the Stanford Business School, are doing executive coaching surveys, and they asked, what is it that CEOs want from executive coaching? And we see things like conflict management, listening skills, so on. And I find this pretty accurate. This is what I coach on. This is what people ask me about. According to Corn Ferry, the big uh, search firm, that most organizations see performance improve after coaching and so on. You can see the statistics here. So it's got a pretty good ROI, although it can seem uh, like a big number uh, of the dollars and resources invested. The evidence is that there's also a great deal of uh, return on that investment. Now, we've often the easiest way to explain what something is, is to explain what it is not. So coaching is not consulting. I used to do consulting. And uh, the main difference I see, the litmus test, the easy way to tell which is going on is if there's a deliverable. In coaching, there's a conversation. In consulting, there could be a document created, there could be computer code created, there could be some other tangible work that's done. Use consultants when there's something you want done by a specialist. That's consulting, and that is not what coaching is all about. It's not training. Now, training is a, is a word I have trouble with anyway, because I always think of, of uh, locomotives, where they, you know, the locomotive backs up to the rail car, and then they get together and they grab onto it, and the locomotive pulls it someplace, and the cargo has no say in the matter. You know, a lot of training is that way getting people to behave in a certain very specific way. Uh, there may be some places for that, but that's not what coaching is about. We're not trying to come to you with the right way, the one and only way to behave. 
and then train you to do it. Has this place, this is not the place. Mentoring, I think of as feedback, information, advice from someone who's traveled the path that you want to travel. A quick pop quiz, who knows where the word mentor comes from? I guess it's just me. <laughs> it is not Latin. That's a good guess, though. You know, it's either Shakespeare, the Bible, Latin, or Greek, right? It's Greek. A mentor actually is not a verb. It's not originally. It was not. It was a name. Uh, mentor was the uh, the elder, the experienced man that Odysseus asked to look after his son Telemachus when Odysseus went off to fight the Trojan Wars and then get lost for 20 years on the way home. So Mentor was a person in Greek mythology who was sort of a stand-in for the, the father. He's an elder who guides someone's growth and career development. It's also not friendship. Uh, there are some overlaps. Uh, coaches tend to care a great deal about their clients, but friendship has... Uh, I've almost said other benefits, but it'll take us down a whole different path that we don't want to go by. Uh, one of the big differences, your friends will not always uh, respond to you, guide to you based on what you're working on, what matters to you, the direction you need to go. Friends will often encourage you to go in the direction they want you to go. You get a lot of this from family as well. So you, you want to be clear that your coach knows what it is that you want from life and is doing the best to help you find the best paths and take the best actions for that life. Uh, whereas friends, well, they have their own agenda. Managing is another one of those words I have a bit of a reaction to based on its etymology. Come on, one more try. What, what does the managing come from? Where do we get that word? Do you want me to give you a hand figuring that one out? Any Spanish speakers in the room? Yeah, it's Latin. There you go. It's, uh, it comes from the word for hand, mano, uh, and it means to put your hand on something and direct it the way you want it to go. Certainly a coach should not be managing, and I have serious doubts about what I see more and more of these courses of coaching for managers. They're very different things. And the fundamental difference that I, people I wish would be more aware of is that a manager has uh, an agenda, a purpose, that manager needs to have the people managed to go certain ways to accomplish specific things. You manage someone to fulfill your agenda. In a coach, it's completely inverted. We coach people to fulfill their own agenda. We don't have uh, opinions. We don't have a, uh, an outcome in mind. We are trying to help the person achieve their own uh, life, not putting our hand on them and pushing them where we want them to go. Coaching is not therapy. Uh, therapy is based on the idea that there is something wrong, that it starts with a diagnosis. This comes from its roots in the medical world. Yeah. Uh, treating the mental disorders was originally a medical thing. Freud was a medical doctor. And for decades and decades, physicians monopolized mental health treatment. 
and there's a big uh, to do pretty much in the 60s when they let loose the rails a little bit and allowed people to be trained specifically in psychology, which was a fairly new discipline uh, in the ages of time, so that people just trained in mental health, mental disease could conduct therapy. But still, there's that idea of the diagnosis of something abnormal, something that is off, that has to be corrected, and then it ends. Coaching, in stark contrast, is much more about you're fine. The client has everything they need. They have all the insight and power and ability, but they may need some support in drawing that out and directing it and carrying it through. So whereas therapy starts from, let me find out what's wrong and have me fix it, coaching starts from, you're fine, what else would you like? Now, advice is a, a very common thing, and people say that it's often worth exactly as much uh, as you're paying for it. The, uh, but advice, again, is someone else's opinion from their worldview, from where they sit, from their experience, from their goals of what you should do. And sometimes we try to disguise this, disguise this by saying, well, if I were you, I would do this. Well, no one else is you. Uh, so advice has its place. I do some of that with my coaching clients, but I always try to put it very clearly in the position of, this is my opinion. I've had some experiences. I've learned some things. And based on that, this looks like an option you should look into. That's not coaching. It has value, but it's different. So let's check in now. What's on your mind? <laughs> Toshi, thanks for stopping by. Uh, glad you could say hello. Question so far? Could be about what coaching is, where it came from, how it's used. It could be something you're trying to learn about now, some result you're trying to cause. And uh, you'd like to say, well, how does coaching apply to this sort of situation? Right, Jane is asking, where does one train to become a coach? Uh, 20 years ago, uh, the answer was, you know, with another coach. You know, coaching as we know it today, executive coaching, well, as we know it, as we knew it briefly, coaching has gone from being a new use of the word in the 70s to slowly moving into the mainstream. And executive coaching became known in the 90s for what it is, what I'm describing today. But then it became so popular that the word coaching went through a process that linguists call bleaching where the meaning seeps out of a word because it is used so widely. So coaching has come to mean almost any kind of help, any kind of consulting, therapy. I even see salespeople talking about being coaches and managers being coaches. Well, if it, if it means everything, it means nothing. It seems like just a simple syllogism. But along the way, people wanted to become coaches as it became popular. So people began to set up coaching schools. I had my original coach training through Landmark Education. Now that's a direct lineage to the origin of executive coaching. Uh, Werner Earhart started EST in the 70s and uh, began telling people that his programs coached people in their lives. And then he brought in a really interesting fellow, Fernando Flores, who had been a member of Allende's cabinet in the elected socialist government of Chile. That was overthrown by Pinochet and Fernando Flores found himself moved from the cabinet room to a solitary confinement cell on Tierra del Fuego. 
Amnesty International negotiated his release. He came to Berkeley where he thought, what the hell just happened? I'm going to study philosophy. So he and his family uh, worked odd jobs in Burger King while he got a PhD in philosophy, studying with John Searle and uh, uh, Gene Winograd. He wrote a breakthrough book in artificial intelligence, developed a program called the Coordinator for Email, and much of his approach to communications and coaching is now built into things like Gmail and Outlook, where someone sends you a task uh, with a deadline. Hey, that's Fernando Flores. So that's in the 70s and 80s where that was developed by Landmark Education, and they're still in business. They give great programs all around the world. Uh, millions of people have gone through their programs. But people wanted specific coach training. Well, uh, I got further coach training with Newfield Network, that is founded and is still run by Julio Olaya, another Chilean exile who worked in the early days with Fernando Flores. So Newfield Network is still out there training coaches. Now, I have no certifications. The whole idea of certifying coaches came in after I began being a coach, and I just didn't see the point of writing a check to them to, to get their permission to be a coach. Uh, I've never had any problem with anyone wondering whether I'm certified. I've done the training. I've, I could be certified if I want to fill out the forms and pay the fees. However, if someone wants to start a career as a coach now, I do encourage them to go to one of the coach training programs that is certified by either the ICF, the International Coach Federation, there's a European one whose name escapes me right now. Georgetown here in D.C. has an excellent program. I know some of the people who teach there. It's a really strong program in coaching, and they do a good job of building up a network and helping people launch their careers. And Jane, I hope that handled your question. Any other questions before I move on? And if you'd like to speak or use your video, that's fine too. Just uh, let me know. Okay, let's moving on. Oh. All right, that was just a thank you, not a question. Good. All right, so it's none of those things. What happens uh, from coaching? Uh, one of my clients, I thought, put it very well. Is there anyone not able to see the screen? Uh, can I just let you read it, or should I read it to you? If you can't read it, see it, let me know. Okay, good. One of the reasons I like this endorsement is it is so clear about what coaching is. She says, draw out from me my own best thinking. And that's the key to coaching, is helping people think and get into action rather than telling them what to think and pushing them into action. Another example here. And once again, you see this distinction, uh, whereas therapy can deal with what's wrong, uh, coaching much more emphasizes pursuing what's possible. I want to give you some experience of what it's like to be coached. Uh, so. But we only got a few minutes here, so let's try this. Here's the puzzle. Someone asks you to install a window. Here's one for you, Steve. You're an expert on glass. Install a window that is one foot high and one foot wide. Seems pretty straightforward. So you install that window. One foot by one foot. And chances are you're thinking of something that looks like this. And that fits the criteria. But as with so many clients, I'm going to come back and tell you there's something I'd like to change about it. And that is, I want 
less light coming through the window. This window really is too bright, but I still want it to be one foot high by one foot wide. How can you do that? Oh, by the way, to reduce the uh, amount of the light coming through, I want you to reduce the surface area by half. Still one foot high, one foot wide. Half the surface, one foot high, one foot wide. Is that possible? Any proposed solutions? When you'll see it, you'll be surprised. <laughs> well, yes, would be. you could use a window covering, but that doesn't quite change the size of the window. You could build a window like this blue one, one foot high, one foot wide, and half the surface area of what you think of as a window. So what's the key to this? What is it about it that makes this uh, an interesting problem? Well, what stops most people from coming up with a solution is what they know about windows. Windows tend to be uh, uh, square, to have a you know, one lower edge along the horizon. But they don't have to be. I mean, you've probably seen these diamond-shaped windows. It's perfectly plausible. We just don't think about it. It's what we know and assume that keeps us from finding the answer. See, our knowledge, while very useful, can also be limited and limiting. We don't know everything, so our knowledge is limited. And what we know limits our solutions to some degree. So helping people think in a different way can be extremely powerful. While our knowledge is limited and limited, coaching can provide the do edge. TM, not necessarily trademarked, it's just my initials. I was like putting my initials on things. When I was a kid, all my toys had my initials printed on them because they were trademarked. So I've told you what it isn't. So let me tell you what coaching is. Coaching is an intentional conversation. So there must be some purpose, some desired outcome, some directionality. Intentional conversation that provides an alternative worldview. Let's turn the windows on its side and see what we can do with it. Which allows the client to take appropriate action. So it's not just about insights. Insights are inside. I want those insights to be expressed as actions to come out in service of their own chosen possibility. So again, that distinguishes it from management where we're trying to get people to move in the direction of management's preference. We want to have an intentional conversation in service of the client's chosen possibility. Questions or comments so far? Right. Let me give you one other experience of what a shifting worldview might feel like. What is this? Can you tell? 
I know it's you know a rectangle that's mostly black and a little bit white, but it's an image of a familiar object. Well, it's a very uh, high contrast version of this image. See it now? In fact, I would uh, venture to, to, to guess that not only do you see it now, you can't not see it now. This looks like a frog to you now. And that is the way with many coaching insights. You have facts about your life, information about your business, knowledge of your history and thoughts about your future. But it can just seem as vague as this image. How do you turn it into something that matters to you, something that pushes you into action, that encourages you to have more forceful conversations? Well, if you begin to see the pattern, if you understand better what you're trying to get to, then the coarse, high contrast jumble looks like something different. And that gives you opportunities to take different actions. So what kinds of things do coaches work with? Well, one we talk about is the gap. If you could think of something that you have wanted to have happen, some results you'd like in your life, and you've worked at it, and you've wanted it, and you're still not there, that's the gap. There's a desired outcome. There's effort, research, trials, but still, the desired outcome was over there and you're still over here to the point where it's mysterious. I mean, what else do I do? Do you just keep doing the same things for longer hours or harder or faster? Well, a lot of people just get exhausted doing that, especially when they're building a business or a career. Maybe there's something different that you could be doing that would make it more effective to close that gap. So that kind of thing is very useful to bring to your coaches. I've wanted this. I've tried. I've worked at it. I'm not getting there. What's missing? What's the different point of view for rotating that window or turning the vague outline of a creature into a particular frog? Another signal uh, that it's a good time to talk to a coach is the expression Groundhog Day. I'm not referring to Puxatawney Phil, but to the famous Bill Murray movie where he woke up each day and it was the same day, except he was different. So if you're starting to feel like you're trying lots of different things, but Groundhog Day is you know, getting the same results all the time, that's another clue that a coach may give you a different worldview, opening up different possibilities for action. One of the things that the originator of executive coaching, Warren Earhart, said is that it's impossible to be satisfied with something you're stuck with. And if you feel stuck with your spouse or your job or your financial situation or your physical uh, condition, you can't be satisfied with it. Now, the reason for that is that both of these things exist in language. 
being stuck with something is an evaluation that we put onto a situation. I mean, we're very rarely physically glued onto something we can't move away from. It's more like we feel stuck with a, a, a poor employee or a stupid boss or we're stuck with a, some amount of cash or some skill level. When really it's, we're just saying, well, that's the way it has been and I feel like I can't change it. But moving from being stuck to choice is as simple as changing the language we use. One of the ways to do this is with a video of mine you may have seen, which is training ourselves to say, I get to, instead of I have to. This came to me one day when I was talking to a client who said, I've got to go to my son's soccer game. I said, no, no, no. You get to go to your son's soccer game. You've made a lot of choices and had a lot of success in your life so that you can walk out of the office any afternoon and go to your son's soccer game because you choose it. Because that is your, you have the freedom that you're expressing that way. So if you find there are things in your life that you feel stuck with, they're in the way of the life you'd like, that's the kind of thing a coach can help you deal with better. When you start to feel like your life, your career, or particular aspects of it are happening to you instead of by you. You know, it's a way of getting in the driver's seat, of taking some control. Now, I'm not saying this is some magic formula for making reality bend to your whim, but again, in language, there's a huge difference in how we respond to feeling like the victim, like things are coming at us for which we have no control, versus we can adjust how we respond and be responsible so that we are having, we are doing life instead of being done by it. Now this, all four of these are any aspect of your life. It doesn't have to be your whole life feeling like Groundhog Day or feeling stuck with everything in your life. It could just be some aspect of it. To the point where some people would really take on coaching. If they feel like anything is getting irritatingly repetitious, if any part of their life feels like something they're stuck with instead of a place where they have choice, they'll work on that just to get more joy, more freedom, achieve more grace. And that gets the broadest category. If you find there's an absence or just too unsatisfying a level of love, joy, freedom, that's something to be coached about. Because love, joy, freedom, all exist in language. And we have a tremendous amount of control over the language we use to describe the hard facts of our life. So adjusting our language, changing our conversations, that's where love, joy, and freedom come from, not from some uh, coincidences or lucky breaks. And it all sums up to getting better at being human. This is one of the fundamentals of the particular kind of coaching I do. It's called ontological coaching. That's a philosophical term. It just means ontology is the nature of something, the way it's constructed. Ontological coaching deals with certain fundamentals about how people respond to the world and how that can be adjusted so that they can be more satisfied, self-expressed, joyful, and loving. One of the foundations of ontological coaching is the insight of what kind of a thing is a human being. 
the kind of question philosophers uh, worry about. But something we could be concerned with too. I mean, what is it that makes being a person different from being anything else? From you know, a, a, a tool or a rabbit or a frog or a puzzle? What is it that makes a person a person? One of the key insights into this came from a philosopher named Heidegger in the uh, early part of the 20th century when he started examining the history of Western philosophy saying, what, what is the fundamental that they either overlooked or got wrong? He decided it was, what is the nature of being human? And the thing he came to that has been very useful for coaching is that humans are the kind of thing that has an opinion, a position about what kind of thing it is. You see, dogs just do dogs. And glasses just be glasses. But we wonder if we're good parents, good employees, good speech makers. We wonder if we're okay. We wonder what other people's evaluation of us. A huge part of being human, and as far as we know, it applies to nothing else. A huge part of being human is our self-evaluation of what kind of human we are. So coaching helps you get better at that humanness that unique aspect of being a living human being. Uh, coaching is, uh, has a wide range of costs. Now, if you find someone who is uh, new at it, maybe a student, they might do you some, give you some hours for free. And there are other people that, at the high end who have uh, flat fees. They will come in uh, to deal with uh, an executive who uh, perhaps has reached a level that People can't figure out why they're not going to the next level. And I know people who charge uh, $350,000, $400,000 to handle that. Uh, one Marshall Goldsmith, uh, he takes one flat fee, which he does not accept until all of the people that work with the client uh, come back and say, yes, that person is now broken through and moving on to a new level of performance. And then he collects his fee of several hundred thousand dollars. More typical is a, a monthly cost of, of somewhere from one to $4,000. So that's why it's executive coaching. People have to be playing for fairly high stakes to make that kind of investment. Contact time uh, is usually uh, two or three hours in the course of a month where there are very intentional conversations. In between those conversations with the coach, the client will take specific actions. And then when they come back to the next coaching meeting, they talk about the results they got. I always tell my clients that they should plan on working with me for at least six months, uh, probably a year. Uh, some of my clients have been with me more than 10 years because there's always another horizon, another breakthrough that's possible. So it's a, uh, a process that happens over time, but then has a number of, of breakthrough moments along the way. Well, how long does it last? Uh, as long as a snowflake <laughs> or, or more like the, the moon and the stars? My experience being coached and coaching people is once you have that shift in awareness, it stays with you. Just like that still looks like a frog and it'll look like a frog tomorrow and it'll look like a frog in five years because you've had the insight, you've had the breakthrough. That's what coaching does for you. So it takes some time. It can be quite an investment, but once you have that breakthrough, it's yours. You keep that insight and that ability to act for as long as you are human.
So, questions, please. Okay. How's it going? Glad you're here. I don't see people hanging up. Maybe it's just a pleasant drone in the background while you're eating. I don't know. <laughs> with luck, I will in no future Tuesdays with Tony at 12 speak even half this much. But I wanted to give you some basis and give you some sense of what's, what it's all about. All right. I'm not seeing anything typed. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, to define your favorite client, Jane is asking. Well, one of them's on the line right now. <laughs> I hope Steve doesn't mind me saying so, but he's, he's given me some public endorsements before. Uh, my favorite client is the owner-operator of an established business. And it's a business that's large enough for that uh, owner-operator to have a team of managers. Uh, they, they may not have set up that team yet, but the business is big enough and stable enough where they can afford to put in some managers. Because it's working with and through other people that is a key component of the particular flavor of executive coaching I do. The other thing that distinguishes these folks, other than being the owner-operator of an established business, is that they notice that they've achieved a certain level of success that they're sort of plateauing at. And they've worked as hard as a human can, usually by that point, so they can't just do it more. What's next? What is missing? What can be added so that they can be more effective, have a larger, more lucrative business with even less time and less stress? So that's the ideal client, someone who's ready to try some novel things so that their business can improve, their employees can do better, and it takes less out of them. Hope that answers your question, Jane. All right, so let's talk about the details of a coaching conversation. What's it look like? Well, there, that looks like it's going backwards. Let's double check how we're doing here. Oh, let's start at the bottom. Isn't that interesting? Okay, so <laughs> the, there are, oh, I understand why I did it backwards now, because I start at the end of the conversation, because that makes most sense to people. So we start, at the end of each coaching conversation, I ask the client to mention what insights they've seen and what commitments they can make to take specific actions. Remember, those are the two big outcomes from coaching. One is you see the world a different way, that insight. But then we want to turn it into action. So what's the commitment of action to take? If that's how we end the conversation, it's not surprising that when we come back for the next conversation, I'm going to be asking them uh, how, how they did with that. There's also the uh, idea of clearing. A lot of us have many conversations going on in our head all the time. You have noticed that there's a voice in your head, right? You even think that voice is you, but that's a different one. We'll get into that in a future topic. We have to clear the space before we get seriously into coaching. So I often, I often begin my coaching conversations with some version of what's on your mind? What opportunities, concerns, problems, difficult conversations are running through your head? And I just wanted them to say those things and for me to understand them. Two reasons. One is it sort of makes space. It, it gets them out of their head so there's room in there to work on something else. 
Also, in that process of listening to the various things that's going on in their head, I may see some opening for coaching, and that could be the topic of the call that day. But if we just clear and move on, what we do next is check the results on those commitments that we had made at the previous conversation. If the person has taken the action, achieved the desired result, there's not much to talk about. But if they've taken some action and didn't get the result, well, that's a coaching opportunity. Let's find out what insight is necessary, what shift in behavior will have that result be more reliable. And maybe they didn't follow through on the commitments. Well, that's something to look at too. Why is it that we're making commitments that we're not following through with action on? That's a pretty common problem in businesses. As I had one client say early on, he says, around here, when everything's said and done, there's more said than done. So we want to work on that. Let's find out what we said didn't get done. And then part of the conversation, I will introduce various distinctions, uh, insights, ways of looking at the world. Distinction is a coaching term. The idea is that there are lots of things going on in our world, even more sensory input than our brain bothers to process. Much of it gets tossed away. But there are some things that happen that bring aspects of that reality into more relief that distinguishes it. For instance, you may be uh, uh, writing something on a piece of paper and you're not really thinking about the fact that you're using a pen. It's just writing. And then you notice that it starts to skip and not fill in. All of a sudden, your attention is not on what you were writing. It's on the pen. And then you're taking the pen apart and you're noticing that there's something inside and you want to and, and suddenly there's the ink and there's the ball and there's the plastic and the spring. There's all these other things that suddenly come out from the background where you can work with them. That's what distinctions are all about, is of all the many, 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 many things going on in our world, which ones, if we distinguish them from the background, would give us more power, more ability to create results. Those are the components of a coaching conversation. So let's clear out to make room. Let's check in on what results we're getting, introduce some distinctions that might be useful in improving those results, and then articulate the, the insights, make some commitments to action, rinse, and repeat. Okay, Chris, thanks for being here. Look forward to talking to you again next time. All right. So, finding, selecting, and getting started with a coach. It, a coach can help you f uh, clarify your intention, but you may want to spend some time on your own getting a sense of what your why is, why you think you'd be interested in working with a coach. Referrals are the best. If you know someone who's worked with a coach, that's a good way to get introduced. A lot of people do Google searches, and sometimes people find me just by searching around and reading things on my website. You may have find uh, that uh, there are people who specialize in a particular kind of result. I mean, there are coaches around health, there are coaches around business, there are coaches around marriage and relationships. You want to find out that, that you're compatible with a coach, that you uh, speak in a similar language, that the person seems to be someone who uh, cares for and respects for you. But you don't want to be too comfortable. Remember, this is not a friendship. Uh, coaches must occasionally make you uncomfortable, to challenge you, to press, push you a little bit. So don't look for a coach that uh, you feel like you can dominate or that you can just enjoy yourself with. 
that coach should put you a little bit on edge so that you know that they can give you the feedback you need when you most need it. Typically, coaches offer a free or money-back in initial conversation with people that uh, meet their other criteria. So if someone's a business owner of an established business, I, I will always be happy to sit down with them for an hour or so and have a coaching conversation so they can know what it might be like. And you should expect that when you're choosing a coach as well. There are various topics. Oh, and this is my review of the topics I've planned for today. We've covered those topics. And I just want to check in and see if there's any questions, anything on your mind that you'd like to get in today or you'd like to know about next time. Uh, feel free to communicate with me right now or by email in any way that works for you to know what aspects of coaching might be useful for you in the future. Remember, a lot of this material is on this page and that, that'll be a persistent page. Each week I will add material to that page so you can check that out at your leisure. Thank you so much for your time. Next time, I'm not going to do all the talking, but feel free to drop in and listen if that's all you're up to next time. But we'll try to be uh, a little bit more interactive so that we can all gain something out of the conversation next time. All right. Thank you so much for being here for the inaugural one. The technology will be smoother next time, and the conversation will be deeper. Take care. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. More coaching like this is available at TonyMayo.com. That URL is T-O-N-Y-M-A-Y-O.com. We appreciate your comments, suggestions for future topics, and most of all, stories of how you applied the coaching. Our email address is podcast at MayoGenuine.com. This podcast is the property of executive coach Tony Mayo all rights reserved worldwide.